to me that it's about the right time we discuss this very hot topic, which is none other than vaccines. Let's take our listeners through the journey of how vaccines are developed, distributed, and finally delivered to the end user. Yes, Lavanya, but since this topic is pretty lengthy, we will be focusing on vaccine development and how efficacious they are to the users. Now, the chronicles of vaccines date back as early as a thousand years in common era when we used variation, which was a part of smallpox material, to provide protection against smallpox infection. This was a big deal because the smallpox infection claimed so many deaths during that time. In fact, the earliest credible evidence of smallpox is found in Egyptian mummies of people who died some 3,000 years ago. It was a century's goal to eradicate smallpox and eventually resulted in success in the 1900s. So there are tons of myths, speculations, opinions and statements made by everyone from various backgrounds or field of work. Why not we share what we understand from a scientific perspective of things? I would like to understand vaccine as something that gives our body a heads up or warning on how the bad guy might look like so that our body is able to fight it upon exposure or infection. Now, the different ways of how the warning is given to the body is what makes the vaccines different. Amira, why not you introduce the listeners to a pretty widely discussed area but might still lack understanding, which is the approaches of vaccine delivery. This explains the basis of the development of various types of vaccines to date. Sure. So in a nutshell, there are three approaches to vaccines delivery. First, the whole virus or bacterium is introduced to the body. Secondly, only a part of what we call subunits of an organism is introduced, which may trigger the immune system. And finally, the third and novel approach is by using the genetic material itself. Great. So to recap, you mentioned the types of vaccines are based on its approaches, which are using a whole virus or bacterium, um, subunits of an organism, and the genetic material itself, right? That's right. So let's dive into how is a vaccine developed. Maybe this information can provide some clarity on the safety and efficacy of the vaccines in general. So the process of development involves an array of phases, which begins with pre-testing. What happens mm -hmm. here is that the new vaccine is tested on monkeys or mice to see if it mm -hmm. produces an immune response. Then we move on to what we call the phase one trial. Small number of people are tested to assess safety and dosage of the vaccine. And this also confirms that it stimulates the immune system. Vaccine doses that are too low may not create an efficacious immune response, whereas vaccine doses that are too high may cause unwanted side effects. So finding the right dose is really important. And this is what phase one trial focuses on. The next phase, which is phase two, and the primary focus here is on the efficacy of the vaccine. Researchers are trying to answer, does the vaccine at this dose produce a sufficient immune response? This phase observes hundreds of people split into groups, like the elderly, to see if it affects them differently and further assesses its safety. Following that, phase three involves thousands of people and the process awaits to see how many then become infected. This is compared with volunteers who receive placebo and this is how the efficacy rate is derived. This phase is also large enough to study rare side effects. 
Interesting. So I, I'm I'm sure that you have explained the phases of vaccine development quite clearly here, but we understand that if the vaccine has made it through all the phases of clinical trials and has shown to be safe and efficacious in combating the virus, then it will be approved for manufacturing and distribution to the population, right? But we frequently come across the term uh, emergency approval or limited approval vaccines. What exactly does that mean, Amira? So normally, the process to approve a new vaccine can take up to a decade. But the mm-hmm. federal government is using you know, various methods to speed up this process. The Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA, is permitting companies to apply for authorization for COVID-19 vaccines under a procedure called an emergency use authorization, or the EUA, which can mm-hmm. speed up the time it takes to get a vaccine approved. Decisions are then made based on preliminary evidence whilst awaiting more data. I see. So what are the different types of vaccines uh, we have uh, up to date and how efficacious are they? So as of yesterday, there are a little (laughs) more than 80 types of vaccines in clinical trials in humans, with 23 in its final stages, which is in phase three, as we talked about. Out of all those, amongst those that have been approved include Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna, Oxford-AstraZeneca, and a few more. All right. Um, On the topic of mRNA vaccines, the technology behind this vaccine creates genetic instructions for building coronavirus spike proteins. An example of the mRNA vaccine is the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. It is shown to be 95% efficacious and is given in two doses, three weeks apart. But the downside to this is that storage can be quite a challenge as they are required to keep frozen at a minus 70 degrees Celsius. However, real-world practices have shown that they can be kept at a minus 15 to minus 25 degrees. So how does this efficacy apply to the real-world situation, Amira? Right. So as we know, Israel has done pretty well in terms of their vaccination rollout as they have superseded other countries with their rates of vaccination. Real-world data there has shown 94% efficacy in reducing symptomatic cases and 92% efficacy in reducing severe disease. Now, this is comparable to the phase three trial findings. The efficacy rates were obtained from, a, from large-scale peer-reviewed studies, which um, involved more than a million people aged above 16 years old. Also, mm-hmm. another set of reassuring data here shows that the vaccine was effective in over 20,000 people who were 80 years old and above. And this study continued until February of this year, during which Israel was experiencing its third and largest wave of infection, and when the B117 variant was becoming the dominant source of new cases. Interestingly, the study indicated that the vaccine was effective against that variant as well. Wow, that's pretty updated information we have there, and certainly more to look forward to, isn't it? Now, how about the Sinovac vaccine? What's different about this one? Well, to start off, it uses the inactivated virus technology. And as Mm -hmm. we know that um, it is the traditional form of vaccine development, just like the vaccine against the common cold. Um, It's given in two doses, two weeks apart. Um, What's interesting here is that it has yet to publish details of the trials in medical journals. So only phase one and two trials findings are published, which revealed a modest production of antibodies and fortunately no severe adverse effects. Up to this moment, we are still unclear about how much protection it provides. The efficacy results we have so far have shown a dichotomy where the trials in Brazil showed 50% efficacy against those with or without symptoms. 
whereas trials in Turkey showed close to 84% efficacy against at least one symptom. Bear in mind, though, these trials were conducted in very different environments and were looking at different outcomes as well. Right. Now, moving on to the next type, which is the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine. This seems to be the vaccine that will likely vaccinate the world due to its low cost and simple storage requirements and could be the backbone of vaccine rollouts in many poor countries and middle-income countries, likely due to it being much cheaper. This vaccine uses a double-stranded DNA, which stores the genetic instructions to build a coronavirus spike protein. It's given in two doses, four weeks apart, and has shown to achieve about 79% efficacy. The gene for coronavirus spike protein is added into another virus called adenovirus, in particular a modified version of chimpanzee adenovirus known as CHADOX1. This provokes the immune system to target the spike protein and build antibodies. This is also a more robust vaccine as the DNA is not as fragile as RNA and the adenovirus's tough protein coat protects the genetic material inside. Uh, plus, due to its modified form, it also prevents its viral replication. So the advantages of this vaccine are it does not need to be stored at extremely low temperatures and is more easily manufactured as well. Great. Um, next is the Sputnik V vaccine. There was much scepticism about the Russian Sputnik V vaccine when it emerged on the world stage last summer. Um, it's developed by the Gamalaya Research Institute and has about 92% efficacy. Eventually, scientists welcomed the results when they were published in February this year. Researchers used two different adenovirus vectors, which uses the same delivery method as the AstraZeneca that we have just talked about and the Johnson mm -hmm. & Johnson vaccines. And it is administered separately in a first and second dose, 21 days apart. Finally, let's quickly touch on the Moderna vaccine. It also uses the mRNA technology stored at about minus 20 degrees and has shown 94% efficacy. Moderna is only approved in Switzerland. Its emergency use is seen in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom and Singapore. Currently, there are ongoing phase one trials, one of which looks at the development of the refrigerator-stable vaccine types, which can make mRNA technology vaccines more accessible because as we know, now the challenge is the cost of the vaccine and storage limitations. Another phase one trial is looking at the safety and efficacy against the B1351 variant, which was first identified in South Africa. So, Amira, are vaccines actually protective then? Right, so one of the very first ideas that showed that the vaccines are actually protective came from a study that involved a fishing vessel from Seattle. About 120 crew members on board the fishing vessel were tested for serology prior to embarking on the ship. Soon after departing, of course, there was a COVID-19 outbreak on the ship and about 104 of the crew members became, became infected. So that's about um, an 85% infectivity rate. Now, the people that have shown to have high levels of antibodies against the coronavirus before embarking did not become infected, providing evidence that the presence of antibodies are protective. But do vaccine trials provide information on protection, Lavanya? So here's where I think a lot of uh, misconceptions happen. When people talk about 90% uh, or 95% efficacy with the different vaccines, does it mean that when vaccinated, 95 out of 100 people will be protected from COVID-19? But that's not how the math or the data works. Efficacy is the measurement made during a clinical trial when everything is under control. 
and effectiveness is how well vaccines work in the real world. So in clinical trials, volunteers are either given the vaccine or a placebo. Scientists wait for volunteers in both groups to report COVID-19 symptoms and then test for the disease. They then compare the number of vaccinated people who became sick with COVID-19 versus the number of unvaccinated ones, the ones who received the placebo, who also became sick due to the disease. And this is how efficacy is derived. So if the same number of people who were vaccinated and not vaccinated become sick with COVID-19, that simply means the efficacy is 0% because uh, the vaccine didn't work. Conversely, if none of the vaccinated people become sick, the efficacy would be 100%. Right. So then what does the available data tell us? Well, it tells us that the current available vaccines are good at preventing people from getting sick and dying from COVID-19. Although a number of the people who were vaccinated in the trials became positive with COVID-19, not one of them in any of the clinical trials actually died. In contrast, some of those who were given the placebo and ended up becoming infected had severe disease that required hospitalization with some leading to death. Another important question to understand is, does being vaccinated mean a reduction in viral replication? Can vaccination allow the community to return to work without restrictions, especially with people who are in the vulnerable groups like the elderly and the immunocompromised? That's a very important question. Um, now, a new real-world study by the Centers for Disease Control or the CDC following nearly 4,000 frontliners in the US found that the mRNA vaccines, so those are the Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna, as we have talked about, were 90% effective in preventing any COVID-19 infection, including asymptomatic uh, ones. And the CDC has recommended that people who are fully vaccinated with both doses of the vaccine can visit other fully vaccinated people indoors without wearing face masks or practicing physical distancing. I think this new data is promising, but further studies need to be carried out for us to decisively conclude whether being vaccinated could indicate reduced transmissibility which may then allow the economy to be fully operational without restrictions. Great. So in summary, what we have understood is vaccines are important to prevent us from being hospitalized and dying from severe COVID-19. Having said that, being vaccinated does not mean that you can carry on your day-to-day -day work without following the standard precautions until we have more information to suggest so, isn't it? So, Finally, we have come to the end of the chat today, but before we leave, let's entice the listeners with a preview of what's coming next. Yeah, definitely. We'll be talking about the vaccine delivery and distribution next. Since the vaccines have arrived and is being in the rollout, I think it will be fun to discuss and debate the different practices in the vaccine rollout plan that we are seeing across countries. And yeah, not to forget our ritual while we leave the listeners with a beautiful quote of the day. It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. But it is the one that is most adaptable to change. With that, signing off from me, Lavanya. And me, Amira. Bye. Bye. Bye.